Hey everyone, I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com and welcome to PNC's Talking Tobacco Live. Uh, well, you know, this is one of those uh, crazy times of years for retailers um, because you have Mother's Day in May and then you follow right up with Father's Day in June. And as you may guess, um, Father's Day is one of the biggest days of the year uh, in our business. And in fact, it's actually bigger for us than Christmas, which I even find confusing uh, all these years later because with Christmas, you're buying for a wider group of people uh, that, you know, more of them may uh, fall into uh, the category of people that you would shop for on PNC. But uh, Father's Day always is just a little bit bigger, I guess, maybe because we go crazy for dad um, on his day. Uh, but in any case, um, so just as we're all winding down from personally uh, getting together and uh, and celebrating uh, Mother's Day and and seeing moms and grandmoms, um, now we turn our focus uh, to Father's Day in June, and so we got a bunch of things coming up that I think you'll uh, be interested in, and. Um, and then we'll talk about today's subject, and and it's an it's an interesting one, and it came up more uh, because of a couple of emails, um, and that's when people try to blend at home, uh, they they run into issues, and uh, and sometimes the things that they do that they think are going to work don't. And uh, we're going to talk about why that is the course of our conversation today. And uh, hi to David and Buck and Patrick. I'm glad to, that you're all on board. Um, I've been making progress in getting all the new equipment set up. Uh, some of it I'm still having uh, an issue with uh, getting everything to work properly. Uh, I'm hoping that um, I will have everything squared away in short order, but there are no guarantees about that. So uh, we'll uh, give it a try again for next week uh, to have everything ready. And, um, and uh, but in any case, the soundproofing is up. Sorry, I'm having an issue with the light right now. Okay. Um, so by next week, I, I should have the majority, if not all of it, uh, set and ready to go. Um, we've uh, had uh, some interesting things happen, uh, new products on their way. Um, and, uh, and I'll talk to you about them more as uh, that gets closer. Um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, 
and uh, take a look at what uh, is going on on PNC for this week. All right, so here's what's happening on PNC for this week. We start out with our Father's Day gift guide. Remember, we just talked about it. So uh, here's, here's the beginning. Uh, we've selected a wide variety of options on both the pipe and the cigar side of the business. And um, so you're going to save uh, some money on some really nice products that just about any dad uh, who enjoys a pipe or cigar will want. And uh, then to make it even a little bit nicer, uh, select your items. Uh, and when you, uh, when you do, you'll receive a free PNC cash card um, for, uh, for future use, a $10 card. And we will uh, we will do uh, that uh, I believe for a week. So uh, here's an opportunity to, to find some great items, save some money, and then have some uh, some to use for a future purchase. Uh, so that's the Father's Day gift guide, and I know that a lot of people are going to want to take advantage of that particular promotion. And then we have our Father's Day pipe sale. So we've selected pipes at over 40%, up to 40% off, and some pipes get a free gift. Uh, and that, that'll be clearly marked on the page for... Um, the items, but uh, it's really great because, you know, as a kid, um, buying something for dad that had to do with pipes was a big deal. Of course, you, you had to have mom with you. Um, but uh, I, I used to love to do that. And um, we would go into the shop and take a look around and uh i would i would pick something out uh for as a pipe for dad and uh most of the time when i picked something out it just would not have been the right pipe for for him but um uh, mom was there she would say you know i think he'd like this one better uh, in any case, here's a chance to uh, do it from home. Uh, take a look at all these pipes, uh, save a bunch of money on some of them. Some of them you'll even get uh, a free gift if you buy it. Uh, so if you're looking for a pipe for dad, uh, this is the event that you are waiting for. And then uh, we have uh, Sutliff Bulk Tobaccos, of course. They've got a huge variety of options. Um, we can't carry them all just because uh, it would be way too confusing uh, for our customers, but we carry a bunch. Uh, so you've got a lot to choose from. You can get them for as low as $1.96 an ounce. 
And when you buy a, a pound or, or more, you get the free Sutliff ceramic jar, which is one of the larger jars. Uh, it'll hold probably about eight ounces of bulk tobacco. You get that free uh, with uh, the purchase of Sutliff bulk tobaccos. Um, and uh, hi to Timothy, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad you folks are with us right now. Um, it's a pretty good live group so far. Uh, most of the time, um, the vast majority of people who watch this do it on delay, and that's certainly understandable. We all have our lives and jobs and things like that, but uh, it's nice to have uh, a good group of uh, watching live because we get nice feedback uh, in the comments. David says uh, lots of good bulks from Sutliff. You get about 12 ounces in his Sutliff jars. And that, that will depend. That will depend on the tobacco. Obviously, a uh, moist black Cavendish, you probably easily can get 12 ounces in the jar. Um, something that's light and fluffy and doesn't have a lot of uh, a lot of added moisture, uh, you you may not get anywhere near that. Uh, Kenneth, good to see you too. Um, and Timothy says it's tough during the daytime, but he tries to drop in when he can. Well, I'm glad you're here. So uh, let's move on to Crown Nobility Pipes. Um, this, These are the Pipes of the Week, and they really caught me off guard. Uh, we started out with the uh, Crown Pipes. Uh, when we revamped the line, we started out with six millimeter pipes because a lot of people were complaining about the, the six millimeter pipes they were buying were getting more expensive. Um, and uh, if you wanted an average sized pipe uh, in the six millimeter realm, it was even that much more expensive. So Crown came out with a bunch of six millimeter pipes at prices lower than the competition. But in my opinion, I think they're much better made um, and, and perform really well. And once the six millimeter pipes uh, were, were brought over, um, they started concentrating on non-filtered pipes and the Crown Nobility pipes are non-filtered, uh, average sized pipes, uh, but at a real bargain price and we're cutting the price even further. So look, they're, you know, they're black sandblast uh, with black stems. They, they don't have trim. They're not uh, fancy by any means, but they are well made and they're good smokers. Uh, and and after all, that's what you're buying the pipe for. So with Crown Nobility, if you're looking for a pipe that's going to perform great and and look nice, just they're not 
very intriguing. There aren't a lot of uh, shapes to choose from. Uh, but you want a pipe that you can smoke while fishing, walking the dog, or if something happens to the pipe, you'll be disappointed but not heartbroken. The Crown Nobility pipes are ideal for that. Um, David uh, said classic, and yes, they are. They're classic shapes, and Timothy says function over form every time. And, you know, that that is true um but let's face it um the the main reason a lot of us buy a pipe is because there's something about it that catches our eye uh and and these certainly from a style and shape viewpoint are eye-catching enough they they are attractive pipes but they, you know, they're, they're not uh, tight-grained, uh, bird's-eye-on-the-side cross-grains uh, with a really sharp stain left smooth. Um, they don't have colored stems. They don't have any trim rings. But you know what? Uh, for a pipe for the car, who cares? Uh, and and that's really what uh, Crown Nobility pipes are all about. So um, if you're looking for a great knockaround pipe um, that's going to do the job really well and not bust your budget, uh, take a look at Crown Nobility pipes while they're on sale. And then we have our Norman Rockwell gift set at only $29.99. So with that, you get a uh, Norman Rockwell signature Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. Uh, certainly the highlight of, of the set, but you also get a, uh, a tin of uh, tobacco specially selected for the gift set. And you get a side-firing, soft flame, um, Norman Rockwell pipe lighter. And I believe that one has a pull-down tamper and pick in the bottom. Um, and you get all this for $29.99. I've spent more than $29.99 on a lighter by itself. Um, and so you get those items and all packed in a really nice looking uh, gift tin uh, that pictures dad with his kids painted by Norman Rockwell. And, um, and then if you do that, you get $20 in PNC cash for a future purchase. Uh, I, you just can't go wrong. I mean, if you look at it from the value of the gift card, um, you're paying $9.99 for a, a genuine Missouri Meerschaum corn cob, um, a refillable soft flame pipe later, and a tin of a very pleasant tobacco. So um, there you go. And uh, I hope you, um, I, I hope if you have a dad who will appreciate something like this, that you grab some because the quantities are, are getting a little thin. Um, 
David said that the billiard uh, from the uh, crown nobility were, was really well formed. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, they do classic shapes incredibly well. And so um, we move on to this week's tobacco of the week is actually three. Uh, we've had Casey Jones uh, available to you for, geez, maybe five or six years now. Um, and they definitely have a steady following. Uh, three aromatics um, that are targeted toward the American market uh, and based on the legend of Casey Jones the uh, noble engineer who saved uh, many lives while sacrificing his own. Um, we have three superb aromatics and they're all on sale. Um, so if you're looking for uh, a new aromatic to try, um, they come in uh, one and a half ounce pouches and uh, they're a really good deal on the everyday price. Uh, so they're really a must try, I think, uh, with the sale price this week. And we also have May's monthly deal, which is buy more, save more on Smoker's Pride as low as $14.49 a bag. I believe you have to buy uh, four uh, bags to get to the $14.49 price, but no matter how many or how few you buy, uh, you'll save money getting uh, a choice of six aromatic tobaccos that are the number one selling value price tobacco on PNC. Uh, so um, now, now the time is becoming a bit of a crunch. You've got less than two weeks. Uh, before May is over. So you want to get that order in while you still can um, because we won't run anything like this again for for quite a while, maybe not until next year. So um, take advantage while you can uh, and uh, stock up on Smoker's Pride uh, to help get you through until uh, the cool weather hits. Uh, so and moving on from there is my cigar clippings and that's fixing a, a cracked wrapper. A lot of times you'll light up a cigar and all of a sudden you'll notice a crack. Uh, this happens for a lot of reasons, but the most common reason is that the cigar has gotten a little dry and then when you light it the um, filler will expand uh, and the wrapper can't contain it and, and it causes a crack or sometimes even taking it out of the cellophane you wind up uh, twisting it and, and catching the edge of the wrapper and then you get a crack in the wrapper that may not go all the way through but it makes a little flap and um, there are ways of, of fixing a, a cracked wrapper um, but my, my main um, way to do it if it's that cracked 
along the seam and so you've got that flap sticking up you need to have something to glue it back down now they do sell cigar adhesive um the same uh, concept as what they use uh in the factories when they're rolling the cigars um but you get a little small jar and it's rather expensive and there is um and easy an easy and inexpensive uh fix and that is to go out and uh buy some unflavored gelatin uh, to the best of my knowledge, there's only one brand of unflavored gelatin out there, and that's Knox. Um, but you get it, and you, it comes in uh, little envelopes. And what you want to do is you want to uh, mix a little bit of that because it goes a long way. A little bit of the powder uh, with water until it becomes kind of a jellied paste. Um, not quite as firm as, uh, as jello, like melted jello. And, uh, and then you just uh, stick your finger in the goo uh, and apply it to the cigar under the flap first. And then roll that flap over and with the remaining uh, adhesive on your finger, then you wipe over where the crack is to help keep that flap down. Um, the heat of the cigar will dry the, um, the gelatin pretty quickly. Now, uh, what do you do though, if you get a, a cigar and it develops a crack not on the edge of the wrapper leaf, but right in the wrapper leaf. So you've got a little split in the cigar. The adhesive, if it's just a hairline crack, the adhesive alone uh, will fix it. it. It's got enough body to fill in the crack um, while setting up. But sometimes you don't, uh, that's not going to do the job. And because of the business that uh, I'm in, uh, I have all kinds of samples of things that we don't even sell uh, sitting around. And, um, and so what I've done um, is identified one item in particular that works really well. What you need to do is to find yourself rice rolling papers for rolling a cigarette. Uh, hey, Dan, how you doing? Uh, I believe Dan and I are going to get together to do something for his podcast a little later. So I'm glad he stopped by. Um, but anyway, you take these rice rolling papers and club in particular, they're very thin. And also, uh, they, they did, or maybe still do, make some that have no adhesive on them at all. And all you want to do is tear off a piece of that wrapping, that rolling paper, 
large enough to cover the crack in the wrapper and then you put it in the palm of your hand and rub the the uh, gelatin onto the one side and then take it and put it sticky side down over the crack and then once again go over the top of it with a little bit of the gelatin and the heat of the cigar will uh, heal that up and then you can go ahead and smoke the cigar you know if you're talking about you know a machine made uh cigar that comes in a cardboard five pack i don't know that i would expend the effort on that but um, if you've got a five ten dollar cigar that uh, you really enjoy and you don't want to waste it uh, the way to go is to fix the wrapper and uh, that's a way of doing it and so that uh, ends things for this week uh, with um, what's happening on PNC and so we can move on to today's subject you know I, I, I try to come up with uh, ideas as the week goes on and and sometimes it it's nearly impossible uh for me to do it on my own so a lot of times uh i get suggestions um from uh from people um dan wants to know what happens if it's a pre-castro cuban cigar do you still do the same um you know dan that that's a good question because i haven't uh, gotten my hands on a pre-castro cuban in many many years um one of my uh favorite old stories uh came from just that subject um i had had been in the business for a few years and I had a friend who lived out in the middle of New York State. And his uh, grandfather had passed away. And his grand, he said his grandfather had a pretty big collection of cigars um, at his house. And they're trying to settle the estate and wanted to know if... Um, if I could come out and evaluate uh, the collection uh, for estate purposes and, um, you know, and to give them an idea of what they can sell the, the cigars for. So, you know, having been in the business, um, I had a pretty good idea of what the cigars currently on the market selling for and so uh, I figured I would get out there and you know I'd see boxes of punch and macanudo and um, you know the, the the popular name brands at the time and there weren't a huge amount uh, at that time uh, Hoya de Nicaragua certainly was one of them uh, anyway so I, I went out um, and uh, he led me down to their basement 
and I was expecting that there would be humidors sitting there, but no, no, there was a closet. And you open up the closet, and it was a big closet, and there were shelves and a, a commercial humidification unit in there running. And I looked around, and the shelves were labeled with the years of the cigars. And so uh, I had, um, I'm, I'm looking, and it was right around 1982 that this happened, I believe. And so I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, 1977, and there were some uh, Hoya de Nicaraguas, and there were some Punch, and uh, Arturo Fuente. And then I start moving to the left, and every year is labeled on the shelves, and I finally get down to the 60s. And as I get into the earlier 60s, there are unopened boxes of Cuban cigars that he got his hands on before the embargo. He had cigars in there going back to 1954. And I was stunned. In fact, I had to ask to use his phone so I could call people for some feedback uh, as to what they were selling for at auction so I could give them a price. And when I finally got the information I needed and then, then I could extract a little bit of uh, info on my, myself, for example, if they didn't have any 1956 um, uh, Monte Cristos, uh, that had sold at auction, uh, but they had 57s. I could assume 56s would be around the same, maybe a hair uh, more expensive. Anyway, I went through and I finally wrote down on, on the sheet uh, what I would expect to sell them for. And uh, my friend, uh, wanted to uh, take me out to dinner as a thank you because I told him I didn't want any money. He's a friend. I, I just wanted to do it for him. And um, so we got back to his grandfather's place where my car was parked. And, um, and so uh, I was just going to get in my car and take off. And he said, hold on a minute. And he runs in the house and he comes out with a paper bag and he hands it to me and he says, that's a, a thank you for, for making the trip. And I said, you don't have to thank me. I said, we're, you know, we're friends. He said, no, no, I wanted to do a little something for you. So thanks for, you know, taking the two hour drive out. And, uh, I, I really appreciate it. So I, I took the, the bag and set it down on the front seat of the car, started driving. And about uh, 
halfway back um, driving on the New York State Thruway. I uh, pulled over in a, a rest stop because I wanted to get a cup of coffee. It was getting late and I wanted to make sure I was alert for the trip back. And um, so I got back in the car and I, I looked at the bag and I thought, I wonder what, what it is. And I opened it up and um, he had given me a box of 1957, my birth year. 1957 Partagas 898s. And I, my jaw dropped and I was stunned. And my immediate impulse, because I knew they had been well humidified and they felt good to my fingers. My first impulse was to light one up for the drive home. And my thought was, you've got it cigars here that you're never going to ever, ever see again. To smoke one driving the car just doesn't seem right. So I closed the box back up and I waited until I got home. And when I got home, I happened to have a, a bottle of, uh, uh, of Ware's LBV port and I poured myself uh, a glass and uh, it was still warm in the evenings and I went outside and lit up one of those 898s with a glass of uh, vintage port and uh, it was a wonderful evening especially considering that I was in my mid-twenties at the time. It was amazing. Anyway, um, and that's, that's enough about that. So let's get on to today's subject. And, and that is this. And dances is better than sex, man. Um, I, I'm not going to offer an opinion on that. Anyway, <clears throat> David says, sounds like a wonderful time. It was, and yet, you know, because someone close to a friend had passed away, there was a little tinge of sadness too. But uh, but the, that part of it was certainly really wonderful. So what we're going to talk about today is a lot of people do blending at home, and you know, blending at home can be anything from. Oh, I've got half a pouch of um, of Sir Walter Raleigh left, and I've got half a pouch of Captain Black. Um, eh, let's just throw them together. You know that that can be as simple as home blending gets. Um, and some people are very serious about it. Uh, they. They buy blending components, um, and uh, they may have even rigged up a press at home, and they really want to get into it and be serious about it. And I certainly um, 
don't discourage people from doing that because that's how I started doing it too. Um, you know, I would bring tobaccos home from the shop when I got done for the day and I would play around with them at home and then started doing it in the shop and selling them to our customers. And it just carried on from there and then and there. And, um, and Timothy says that he's seen a lot of folks making home presses lately. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I know a couple of people who have cut um, PVC drain pipe into a, a shorter piece and um, and then they put a um, they cut out a, a cap for the bottom and um, a piece of wood that just fits into the tube uh, on the top and they pack their tobacco in it and then push it down with the uh, the cap that they've cut and get it in there as tightly as possible. And then they just take a C-clamp and uh, put it on the top and bottom and tighten the C-clamp. Uh, and, you know, a, a press does not have to be an elaborate uh, and expensive device. But yes, a lot of people have gotten serious about it and tried to do things at home. The, the bigger issues come from what kind of tobaccos to use and what kinds uh, of other things that you have that you might want to add uh, to um, excuse me, uh, what kinds of things you may want to add to the tobacco. And so I get a lot of questions from people uh, about home blending. Um, you know, the first, uh, probably the most common one is, yeah, if I'm going to get into blending, what tobaccos should I have on hand? And uh, so I'll recommend, you know, bright and red Virginia, uh, light and uh, dark burly, um, some oriental, some Latakia, some Perique, um, and maybe some other specialty tobaccos if they've mentioned tobaccos that they like. Uh, so I may give them um, a suggestion on, on certain tobaccos to include in the mix because they're looking for a particular type of blend. Um, that's, that's commonly what I get asked. Um, but the big issue seems to be when people want to try to add flavor uh, to their tobaccos. Um, and, and the first thing is they will, they will say that they, they've tried um, blending tobaccos at home and flavoring them. And the problem that we commonly have with that <clears throat> is that the tobaccos don't accept the flavoring very well. 
uh, or for some reason the flavoring fights with the tobacco. It, it just isn't harmonious. Hello, Sean. Glad you joined us. Um, and most of the time when people would contact me and say something like that, I find out that somewhere in the mix they used an already flavored tobacco. Um, so they wanted to do cherry vanilla. They bought a vanilla tobacco and now they're trying to add cherry flavor to it. And Buck, you know, he's talking about something he did in the 70s uh, with union leader Roman Maple. Uh, and that was simple, but, but yeah, you know, there, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But yeah, talking about adding flavors to tobaccos at home, if you're using a tobacco that's already been uh, cased and topped, um, it probably is not going to absorb the flavors very well. Um, and, and that kind of thing happens. I mean, it, it, the chemistry just isn't right. You know, if people are going to flavor tobaccos at home, uh, my, my suggestion is to always use the blending tobaccos. Uh, they may have been cased, but they haven't been topped. And so they should accept the top dressing fairly well. Now, how do you do top dressings? Um, well, okay, people have told me they've tried using um, extract, vanilla extract, almond extract, whatever. Um, and applying it uh, straight to the tobacco. They have flavors, but those extracts are not particularly sweet. Uh, you need an element of sweetness, and so you've got to be using a tobacco that's been cased so that there is some kind of sweetener in the leaf. Um, and straight extracts, if you're applying them to the back, tobacco, are, are just so concentrated um, that uh, when the tobacco burns, the flavor is going to distort to a point where it's not even going to be recognizable. It needs to be thinned down uh, to, to be effective. Um, and when we're talking about top dressings at the factories, they mostly have a base that evaporates easily. Alcohol or some form of alcohol or an analog of alcohol. But normally the base for the flavoring will disappear on its own in 24 to 48 hours. And yes, an extract is going to be alcohol-based, but it, the alcohol is not a huge part of the content. 
Um, so number one, uh, I suggest the people, if they're going to use extracts, um, thin it with uh, high-proof vodka. You know, cheap 100-proof vodka will do the job. Um, and then that way it will evaporate uh, more quickly because half of the base is alcohol while the half is you know, water and flavor and whatever. Um, and, uh, and then spray the tobacco and, and allow it time for the alcohol to evaporate off um, before you try to smoke it. Um, but it's really not the best method uh, for, for doing any kind of flavoring, whether you're using extracts and, um, and some vodka or whether you're using actual liquors or wines to flavor the, the tobacco. Um, that is really not the best method because you're wetting the tobacco down, then you have to allow it to dry out. Um, I don't find that to be a, a very uh, effective method. The results generally are disappointing. <clears throat> so what do you do if you want to infuse that flavor um, without um, changing the tobacco tremendously? And if you use this method, um, it's not going to require the alcohol base. Um, so what you're going to need is an airtight container of some sort, uh, large enough to handle the tobacco while leaving a fair amount of room and so what I would uh, what I would do is uh, instruct people to put the tobacco in the bottom of the container, and then push the tobacco out of the way in the center of the container, so you can see the bottom. And then take whatever flavoring you want to use whether that's whiskey or rum or whether you're using a, uh, a cherry extract or a cherry concentrate mixed with water or uh, orange extract or whatever. Um, you may still want to, to thin extracts out with alcohol um, because it will be beneficial in, in this method. Anyway, uh, fill a, uh, a shot glass or a glass a little bit larger. Um, uh, Timothy asks, have, have we ever considered offering blend kits that include those other components like flavorings? Um, he's tried the other blend kits and they work well. Cornell and Deal had something like that um, a number of years back. It was rather expensive. Uh, and, and quite frankly, um, the flavorings 
I, I, I don't think we're very effective. And that's because they're using the same flavorings that they do uh, at their plant. And I, um, I, don't, I don't think it's very easy to duplicate what they do uh, at home because you don't have the equipment to, to work with. Um, the method that I'm talking about right now, I think, is more effective. Um, because it does a better job of getting the flavor to penetrate the leaf. So you take your your um, flavoring, whatever it is, and uh, put it in a small glass and then put that in the bottom of the center of the container and tight, airtightly close the lid and then move the container to an area that's warmer than room temperature. Um, you know, like during the summer, the garage isn't air conditioned, uh, move it to the garage and just allow that natural heat uh, to do its thing. Being airtight, you're not going to lose moisture, so the tobacco is not going to dry out. But what's going to happen is that the heat is going to cause the liquid in the glass to evaporate. And then the flavoring becomes the atmosphere inside the container. And the tobacco can slowly and more readily absorb the flavoring while not getting the tobacco wet. I would leave it for a week at minimum, longer if possible. And then very carefully take the lid off because you don't want the glass to tip over in case there's still fluid in it and then remove the lid, remove the jar and then toss the tobacco uh, to get mixed. This is similar to the method, the infusion method that, um, that we've used in the barrel aged tobaccos. So you have an empty whiskey barrel and you take tobacco and you pack it in the barrel and let it sit for a month. And what happens is um, the angel's share is the, the, um, the term for alcohol that evaporates off uh, in the, in the uh, distilling process. Um, but some of it stays in the wood and that's called the devil's cut. And so when you have an empty whiskey barrel, there's still some of the essence of the whiskey embedded in the wood of the barrel, especially if it's been, um, uh, if, it, if it's been uh, charred. And um, so then you pack the barrel and the devil's cut that's in the wood will 
some of it will ease its way out in the form of vapors and it will penetrate the tobacco and you you do get the flavor but you haven't added any fluid at all uh to the mix in, in fact uh, if you weigh the tobacco before and after it probably weighs pretty close to the same but now it has that infusion of flavor and the method that i'm talking about using is an infusion method rather than a flavoring method. Uh, Philip wants to know, is uh, burly cake an aromatic? I would consider it a semi-aromatic. The aroma is pleasant enough and that to me is what makes an aromatic. Um, but um, it, it does not have a, a heavy flavor. Uh, it's noticeable, but it's not heavy. So I would say classic burley cake falls into the semi-aromatic range. Uh, Timothy says, so my blend has a case of the vapors. Uh, yeah, and actually it does. So that's the flavoring method. Um, and, and then other um, common issues is some people like to try to um, to buy tobacco uh, in its more raw form and um, blended at home. Um, the number one issue um, that they have when they get at home is cutting it. You know how do you how do you cut? Tobacco, are you going to sit there with scissors because that's going to take you quite a bit of time. And yes, you can roll it up and use a sharp knife, but then you have very long strands, uh, especially when you get to the middle of the leaf. Um, they sell hand cranked, inexpensive tobacco cutters. If you're really going to try to blend from raw leaf, um you definitely need uh to get yourself one of those little cutters um because you can as the tobacco's coming out and it's been cut to avoid those long strands you can crank it and be there with a pair of scissors and as it comes out you can cut it uh, so that you have tobacco of the right length. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a tougher thing. You're, you're starting from raw leaf. Um, if it hasn't been cased, and it probably has not, then you've got to come up with a casing. So uh, that's generally water-based with some kind of sugar you can... Um, thin down um, light or dark uh, corn syrup. You can uh, just dissolve um, sugar in uh, warm water. Uh, you can use maple syrup. You can use molasses. If you're going to use molasses, it should be used with a, uh, with a hardier, earthier tobacco like Burley. Um, it does not work quite as well with a um, brighter, sharper tobacco like a bright Virginia. 
but uh, molasses works really well with uh, with uh, burleys. And what I what I like to uh, to do is to continue to use the infusion method. So I would take the tobacco, put it in a container, put it somewhere warm, and don't get the fluid on the leaf because when you wet tobacco, you're immediately starting the possibility of the tobacco getting moldy. If you do it this way, you're just infusing the moisture. It's the best way at home. You don't have a drying chamber. Um, the factories do. The tobacco gets cased and then it gets run through a chamber that's set up to properly reduce the moisture content back down to a smokable range. Um, if you do that with an oven, uh, it's very easy to not go far enough, not and go too far. Set your uh, oven too high or too low. Uh, it, it's it's a real mess. Using the infusion uh, in the infusion method, you don't have to worry about that. How do I get unflavored, uncased, no additive blends? You don't. Um, what do I look for in PNC blends to get these tobaccos? We don't have them. Uh, is there a series or a line? No. You have to start from raw leaf. Companies have come, had come out with organic tobaccos, meaning that they were grown organically and had nothing added to them. That's the definition of organic but they weren't organic because they cased them. Now, I don't care if you used organic items in the casing. You used distilled water and organically grown cane sugar. Uh, if you're adding it to it uh, from a commercial viewpoint on the tobacco side of the business, you can't call it organic. You, and you can't call it organic if uh, the farmer who grew the tobacco uh, used pesticides. That's not organic. So they don't exist. The only way you can do it is to go to a place that sells whole leaf. That's it. They're selling you the tobacco as a broker, basically. And, but you have to cut it, you have to case it, everything else. You don't want to smoke uncased Virginias and Burleys. They're terrible. I've tried it. I've done it. Don't do it. You won't like it. Um, that's why we have tobacco companies, uh, because they have the right equipment and the expertise to pull it off. Um, you know, I had to work with cased tobaccos when I was putting my blends together. I had to know what the casing was so I could work properly on the blend. But I had to work with uncased tobaccos. And it wasn't easy. Um, 
So, uh, you know, if you're working from that method using raw leaf, uh, then you cut it, put it into your container again. Uh, you're going to need more of the casing than you would a top dressing. Uh, so mix your uh, sweetener, whatever it is. Uh, you can even include licorice root. Um, I'm, Philip and David, I'm glad uh, the information is helpful. Uh, but anyway, I would put it in a little bit larger um, glass, like maybe an old-fashioned glass, and put that in the bottom of the container. And then, again, move it to a warm area. But... And this is the really hard part when you're moving it, it with a water-based um, casing that you've made yourself. If you're going to do this at home, you absolutely have to make sure that the tobacco has been stored in an airtight container up until that point that the container that you're going to use has been completely washed and rinsed and you have to use distilled water to make your casing because if you're going to put it in a semi-warm area that is a great environment especially with a water-based product that's a great environment for mold spores to get in there and grow. So everything has to be clean. The tobacco has to be isolated until the time you put it into the container. That container has to be squeaky clean. That, that casing has to be clear of any mold spores. And then you have to put the lid on, keep it tight, and then put it in that warmer area for a fairly long period of time so that the sweetener uh, evaporates along with the, the water base to infuse itself into the tobacco. Because you can't rely on your method at home for spraying the tobacco down with the casing and then drying it down to the proper moisture level. Just doesn't work. Um, and, and Sean uh, dropped in a link um, for the blending uh, tobaccos that we sell on our site. Uh, these are tobaccos in case of Virginias and Burleys. They have been cased, but they have not been topped. And then uh, the blending um, tobaccos like Latakia and Perique uh, don't require any uh, casing or top dressing. Uh, but that's, thank you for uh, sending that link, Sean, because that's what we want people to, uh, to do if they want to get a little more into the nuts and bolts start with blending tobaccos uh, rather than whole leaf um, because when when you're dealing from leaf it's a much more complex process 
Uh, Phillips says, so many chemicals in cigarettes are concerning. I always hope pipe tobacco is not adding so many chemicals. Can you compare the differences in the two? Um, yeah. Um, cigarettes used to contain things like potassium nitrate, uh, which is saltpeter. Um, and that helped keeping the cigarette lit. Uh, I don't know that they're using that anymore, but um, because now they have to use the um, fire retardant papers. Um, so if you added potassium nitrate, you'd be kind of defeating the purpose of those self-extinguishing papers. Um, but they used to. And that was why you could set a cigarette down, walk away for two minutes and come back and your cigarette was still smoldering um, because it, it had something in it to help it stay burning, um, which I guess some people would see as a positive. Um, you know, when I did smoke cigarettes and that was a long time back, um, but when I did, uh, I smoked uh, cigarettes like Nat Sherman and, uh, and Dunhill, and they would go out if you set them down um, and walked away because they didn't have anything added to the tobacco. It also has to do with the moisture content of the tobacco being used to. When it comes to additives, the only additive that you're going to find in pipe tobacco will be some kind of a humectant to help keep its moisture. And that's because, um, you know, people are going to, um, if they buy a can of tobacco, they're going to need to carry some around so they have their pouch uh, and pouches while they do a, a really good job um, <clears throat> they're not airtight and so they'll dry out more easily so um, they found that by using uh, things like like glycerin and um, and then later on, things sugar alcohols like uh, sorbitol um, or uh, other items, food grade, food safe items like propylene glycol, uh, they all do that job, which is they, they're applied to the tobacco. And if the tobacco begins to dry out, it basically pulls in moisture from the environment surrounding the tobacco um, to get the moisture level back up. That's how those humidification pouches from Boveda work. You drop a, a packet into with your pipe tobacco and it helps it stay moist. Well, actually those are two-way packets. So let's say you drop one in there and now summer arrives and the humidity level in your smoking area goes way up. 
what's going to happen? Well, that little packet will actually absorb the excess moisture so that your tobacco doesn't get too moist. And that's how propylene glycol works. <clears throat> uh, it looks to find a balance in the humidity level of the environment it's in. Uh, so, um, they would use, they do use things like propylene glycol or, or glycerin, and they normally mix them with the flavorings. Now, the flavorings for the most part are natural, but they have to be extracted from their source. So, sometimes um, they need a little help. Um, for example, you don't want to use um, actual anise flavor or licorice flavor um, in casing a tobacco or in, um, in topping a tobacco. And the reason is because um, it's very intense and it, it does not distribute that evenly as a top dressing. So what they do is they get the pure form of the flavor that gives licorice its flavor. Um, and that's, a, that's some, excuse me, something called anethol. And when um, they process <coughs> licorice, anise, <coughs> star anise, um, all of those things, the reason that they have that licorice flavor is because they contain anethol. So they have to extract the anethol. And then it can be added to something like propylene glycol. Uh, or glycerin or whatever, and applied to the tobacco. And those bases evaporate relatively quickly. So then it's sprayed onto the tobacco and then left to dry um, for a couple of days. And the alcohol or the base evaporates off uh, for the most part, in the case of propylene glycol, it leaves a trace behind. Um, and then it can do its work, and now the tobacco is flavored. So the tobaccos used in pipe tobacco are relatively mundane. The, there's nothing that could be considered very dangerous or risky about them. Um, whereas, uh, some of the tobaccos, uh, the, the chemicals that they've used in tobaccos for cigarettes in the past, um, probably weren't, weren't anywhere near as, uh, as tame as what's used for a pipe tobacco. I mean, there are casings and top dressings 
that you could probably drink safely. I'm not saying you should or would, but there probably are. Um, and, you know, propylene glycol, you won't want to sit there and drink a glass of it, but it's food grade. It's safe. Um, that's what they'll add to beef sticks and that come in a, a sealed package. They'll add some propylene glycol into the makings of the beef stick so that while sitting on the shelf, the beef sticks don't dry out in the package. So most of what what's there, you can probably ingest uh, by mouth and there wouldn't be an issue. I don't know that um, some of the stuff that they've used in the past on cigarettes is something that I would want to take by mouth. Um, David said uh, he used to have a buddy who worked for Liggett and they had over 200 things they would add to cigarette tobacco and some of those attitude, uh, additives would scare you like ammonia. Uh, Timothy says, sadly chemicals can make their way into tobacco from the land it's grown on. Uh, from previous agricultural practices in the past, and that's true. Uh, there are some um, there are some uh, farmers uh, growing tobacco, though, who have learned uh, more natural methods to keep pests away. Um, actually, um, uh, I know someone who gardens who does not like pesticides. And do you know what they use as a um, as a, a, an effective um, pesticide? Um, they take uh, some burly tobacco and uh, they simmer it in water and strain the tobacco out and put that water in a spray bottle and go out and they spray around their garden. And the, the tobacco, the juices extracted from the tobacco uh, are a natural uh, pesticide, which I never heard before. Timothy says they struggle with this in Maine because they found a large amount of PFAS in the soil. Uh, and from fertilizer, they were sold decades ago. Yeah. Some of those are, quote, forever chemicals. Um, and uh, once they're in the soil, they're in the soil. Um, but there are more natural methods. And I, I know uh, the less commercial, the, the more uh, uh, individual farmers uh, do experiment with these natural methods, and if they work, they incorporate them. Um, David says, yep, tobacco is a natural pesticide for some bugs and a repellent for many more. Yep. So, um, you know, that that's really not a bad thought. I mean, 
you can make a pretty good amount of juice for not a whole heck of a lot of money. And you can put it in the spray bottle and protect your garden uh, without adding uh, a bunch of uh, items whose names you can't even pronounce. Timothy says IPM or integrated pest management is great now using essential oils like mint and cedar. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know that more large uh, commercial operations uh, will do that. They may go the easiest route, which is to use proven chemicals. Um, but I, um, uh, I applaud the people who try to keep it as natural as possible. So anyway, um, so the, those are some of the hazards in uh, blending at home and hopefully some solutions. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week uh, with more silliness uh, and talk about uh, tobacco. And uh, maybe by then I'll finally have uh, everything working. Uh, I think the sound, to me even, sitting here is better. Um, because some of the soundproofing is up on the walls here. And I think it's done a pretty effective job. I, I get a little bit less of that, that ringing sound that you get like when you walk into an empty room with hardwood floors and you talk. You get that little reverb going on. Um, with uh, the soundproofing put up, I think, I think a lot of that's gone. So, uh, you know, hopefully one more week and we'll, we'll get it straightened out. Um, David says, uh, I agree, the sound is more pure. Oh, good, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, and I'm not even using the good sound equipment yet. So, that, that's, um, that's a positive. Uh, Buck says, thank you. This has been about the best talking tobacco to date. Well, uh, I, uh, I'm glad you feel that way. And we will certainly uh, be doing more um, of this kind of thing. And, and hopefully I'll be able to create some media to embed uh, some videos and, and uh, pictures and all that we can use uh, to talk about as a jumping off point. But once I get all my equipment set up, that will be much easier and it will look more professional. And uh, that brings me down to a couple of things. Uh, first off, if you're listening to this uh, or watching it uh, on delay, um, your comments are still welcome. Just go to the uh, the comment section as you're watching it. Uh, and you can uh, drop your comments in. Um, Facebook does send me notifications uh, during the week that a comment has been made. And if uh, it's something that uh, should have a reply, I will certainly uh, do so. Um, so your comments are welcome, whether you're watching it live or or later on during the week, which is the vast majority of the people who watch. 
Uh, I'm stunned to hear that now that we're also doing this as a podcast, we're basically ripping the audio uh, from this Facebook Live and uh, using it as a podcast. We're reaching thousands of people a week, which in the pipe community is a big number. You know, we're, we're not that big a crowd anymore. And, and the, the idea that thousands of people a week are watching or listening to uh, my little ramblings from my home office uh, is pretty stunning to me. So we appreciate that you're joining us, whether you're joining us uh, uh, on Facebook uh, live or uh, on delay during the week, or whether you're listening to this on uh, a podcast on Spotify or Apple uh, Music or uh, most of the streaming platforms, um, you know, we're available we should be anyway, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, at least for now, uh, you can also uh, watch the podcast with a friend because you can share the live stream with someone. Uh, just use that button that you see on the page. So anyway, um, I thank you so much for spending time with me this week. And uh, we've gone way over time, but that's what happens when the questions are interesting and the answers are complicated. Uh, so anyway, um, thank you all for the nice little uh, comments uh, about today's show. And um, enjoy your week, everybody. I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com. Thanks for watching.